1: Alcohol and the teenage brain. Our guest is brain researcher, educator and parenting expert Nathan Wallace who says the evidence is very clear on the impact of young brains of alcohol and less is better. Nathan, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Really well, thanks very Excellent. much. Let's talk about the logical reasons why you want to help your teenager moderate the beginnings of their drug use, frankly, um, their recreational Uh, drug use. Um, What is the research about the impact of alcohol on the developing
0: brain? Uh, To be really blunt, all of the damage that's done to the brain uh, through the research is really in the adolescent brain. Like It's so much more damaging than we think. We've got a culture and a society that's very tolerant of alcohol. You know, you go back sort of my generation, and if you were man of the match at 15, you got given a glass of beer. It was, it's, We have what's called a binge drinking culture. You know, we, um, we consume large amounts of alcohol in a short space of time, and that affects our adolescence. You know, we've just had crate day and the last weekend, where, um, you know, they try and consume a whole crate. And one day, so we've got a culture that celebrates alcohol poisoning, and yet we've got a whole body of research that shows the damaging effects of alcohol to the teenage brain. Um, we we still see those effects, you know, into the, into the people's mid forties. With well, some participants you still see the effects for the rest of their life. Whereas if you this whole international group's called Not Until Twenty One. And this is true for most people at 18, but if you want to include everyone, you have to say 21. But if you could wave a magic wand and have no one in your society drink alcohol until they were 21, then 100% of our problems with alcohol would disappear. And people find that hard to believe, but it's, it's just understanding that the damage done when the 45-year-old you know, goes out and drinks a dozen cans and wipes out his frontal cortex and goes home and beats up his partner, people think that's a result of the alcohol he's had as a 45-year-old. But from a research point of view, if he had not had alcohol until he was 21... A dozen cans wouldn't have wiped out his frontal cortex. It wouldn't have made him lose understanding of consequence. It's because he made it weak by exposing it to alcohol during adolescence.
1: That's the emotional, empathetic, uh, logical decision-making part of the brain?
0: Yep, yep, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Are they drinking less this generation?
0: Um. Yes, that's the good thing. I think you're probably Generation X with me, aren't you? Oh, it we shocking. Yeah. Well, according to the research, <laughs> we were the worst. <laughs> uh, we were, you know, are the baby boomers. Those parents—they're the only generation that, when they said, "Oh, this generation's way worse than all the rest," they're the only ones that were right. <laughs> because Generation X, on just about everything that you look in the research, we drank more alcohol, we smoked more marijuana, we wagged more school, we smoked more cigarettes, we had sex earlier. So, yeah, this generation, on most measures, is much more measured and mature.
1: When you are talking about this with your team, though, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know you can put the research in front of them about uh, everything in life. I, I, yeah, they I, don't what, care. what what <laughs> oh, They don't care. What no. are your strategies for? How you go about helping them navigate, and it is them who are going to have yeah. to navigate it. Like, how, how do you approach it?
0: I think you treat them like they are intelligent, and then they tend to act like they are intelligent. And so, in behavior, that means that you include them in decision making. You know, that we know from um, the Dunedin multidisciplinary study that the number one factor that determines your outcomes is really self control. So self-control is what we want them to do when it comes to alcohol. We want them to, you know, limit that amount of alcohol. So kids have to be raised being allowed to make decisions or making decisions with you. You know, that can be, are you the sort of parent that when um, when your kid's two, you say, right, it's snowing today, wear your green jersey. Or are you the sort of parent that says, right, it's snowing today, would you like to wear your green jersey or your blue jersey? So even though the kid's two, he's already making decisions. So the same when they're a teenager, you know, when you're talking about alcohol. It's like, oh, well, okay, so you've got this super adult supervision at this place and we've done all the right protocol, um, but this is the first time you've been to a party where there's going to be alcohol, even if it is supervised. How many drinks do you think is that is appropriate to take? Rather than saying, right, you will take, you know, three stubbies and that's it or two stubbies and that's it that doesn't practice that negotiation it doesn't practice that decision making so by asking them and treating them like they're competent even if they come back with 12 you can come back with arm 1 You know, when they come back with 11, you come back again with a 1. But they might end up taking 3 and you only wanted them to take 2, but they're exercising that very part of the brain that is kind of shut most of the time during adolescence, that part of the brain that makes good decisions. And if you want that to come online, you have to exercise it. So I'd say don't just tell the kids to shut up and do as they're told and make the rules. Include them in that decision-making and negotiate a bit.
1: The question is when that is allowed to even start. And it's interesting, isn't it, the old argument, have a glass of wine at dinner introduce oh, your children to this kind of moderate drinking. a stupid drinking. argument, Catherine. <laughs> it is, I oh, know. So <laughs> yeah. what happens, how do you approach the fact that you are imbibing, probably like 90 quite possibly, yeah. and when the kids start saying, why not us? Like, how do you even start I think it's, and when?
0: It's good to dispel that myth that people have that, oh, in France the kids, you know, start drinking alcohol really early. That's really different. Um, for a start, it's usually shandy and really watered down, but those kids are not then going to hit, like, 13 and be immersed in a culture of binge-drinking alcohol that has crate day and yard glasses. They're going to go out into a society that thinks it's kind of alcoholic behaviour to have more than three drinks. Like, if you ask in Europe, what's the average number of drinks that's socially acceptable to have in an evening, the average number in the research comes back as three. If you ask that number, that same research question in New Zealand, the average number comes back as 13. So we think it's okay to go out and have 13 drinks. So when you have a drink with your child you're validating alcohol. You're probably quite safe to do that in France. It's not at all safe to do it in a binge-drinking country like New Zealand, Australia, England.
1: So is it a bit like the old mobile phone and everything else? Delay, delay, delay until you can't anymore?
0: Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think one of the single biggest risk factors for whether the child grows up to have an issue with alcohol is if they've seen their parents abuse alcohol. Now, unfortunately, that's not that uncommon in New Zealand culture. That just means having ever seen your parents drunk puts you in the risk group of having issues with alcohol.
1: So when do you sanction and start that sort of um, decision-making cooperation over what you're going to... For a start, the interesting thing that's changed is parental responsibility for provision of alcohol. That's quite an interesting Mm -hmm. one. And having to bring the network in, because if you're hosting a party and all these kids are coming, you've got to get around everybody, which, if nothing else, is a good way of parents combining the intel, right?
0: Yes, absolutely. I love that move. I thought it was really smart.
1: So how do you approach and when do you approach when that should
0: happen. Yeah, I think when it should happen and what age is really down to individual children and families, isn't it, with the kids' maturity level and stuff. I mean, I don't think anyone's thinking you do it at eight, but whether, I think that with the longer you can delay the better because it's so bad for the developing brain. But you've got to be attuned with your child. You don't want them out doing it behind your back because you've decided that at 18 is the age to start that and they've decided 14 is. Um, if they're doing it behind your back, they don't have any boundaries o- over it. There is no negotiation. So I think it's just about having a relationship with your child and that stuff about, I said before, about you know when they're two, you're asking them do you want to wear the green jersey or the blue jersey. You don't give them too much choice at two. If you say, well, it's cold today, what do you want to wear? They'll choose Spider-Man togs and you'll be fighting for an hour. So you give them an appropriate amount of choice for that age. But I think, yeah, it's never too early to start that, to be negotiating with your child.
1: If you go the delay route and say, you are not having it this age and, yes, I'm having yep. a wine, but I'm... 40 50 whatever Mm -hmm. and my brain's fully grown if you go that route what happens when they just somehow access alcohol and you find out about it where where does the conversation go then
0: Um, um yeah I think that I would go along the lines of there are many things that you do as an adult that you can't do as a child that's what childhood is that you have to um you know get experience of being in the world and have help managing those sorts of things. So, so are... that's a
1: sit-down confrontation. Like, you have yeah. gone against our agreement. You have gone against what we've already discussed.
0: Oh, do you and... mean if I've found out that they've exactly. had alcohol behind the back? Right. Exactly. I, thought, I thought you meant they were accusing the parents of having alcohol. I would say, no, well, no, no, that's no. fine. I'm allowed to be a hypocrite. I'm a No, we're, we're over that <laughs> <Yeah>. one. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> yep. Um, so you found that they have, um, Yeah, I wouldn't come down punitively. Punitively just encourages things to go underground and behind your back. So I would look at that restorative practice type stuff. You don't want to be punitive. You want to sit down with the kid and go, "Oh well, okay. You know, I thought this was a few years away, um, but apparently you think that you know this is something that is wise to do now." It could be that the kid so freaks out that they're like, "No, no, no! I was just, you know, it was so silly." I... So you have to go with the situation at the time. But I just think don't be punitive. Um, there's Just a difference
1: down. between the once-off, isn't there, and yeah. and it's becoming a regular thing. That's right. You snuck yeah. a few
0: drinks at a, at a wedding, and you've got a wee bit tiddly, <laughs> and everyone's going to tell that story yeah. for the rest of time, and that's one thing to deal with. But yeah, now, oh, the kid's actually his social set, is starting to drink.
1: How um, do you deal with that peer pressure? Like, you're hoping all the time that your kids are in with a bunch of kids where um, both as Yep. Both both the kids and the parents are on the same page. I mean, that's the dream, right? We can that's get, the dream. We can, yeah. we can get a tribe <laughs> operating here. Yep. But when they're mm. not, and you are having to deal with the peer pressure and having to deal with the stuff that is happening, it's actually wider yeah. than the alcohol then, isn't it?
0: It is. And you can't
1: say, more. I don't like so-and-so, I don't like you hanging out with him. Well, yep. or, or can you? No. Like, How do you deal with it?
0: Um, I mean, peer influence does have a huge impact. You see that really strongly in the research. So our parents have been saying over generations that who you hang out with has a big impact, but now we've got the research to back it up. They were right. So what do you do? I think you have to keep that kid on side. So if you tell them, nope, don't hang out with that kid, I remember my parents telling me that. I just spent most of my time hanging out with the kid I wasn't allowed to (laughs) hang out with, um, and then they had to do it behind their back. So I think... Just be available to the kids. Um, you know, um, if they're talking to you and having conversations with you and you're not being too director, then you're 80% of the way there because you get to have input.
1: Can kids hit an actual serious drinking problem during this stage and age?
0: Yeah, I think the message that, you know, the other key message to get across, as well as negotiating, is that you want them to to delay, delay. I think if you tell the kids just don't drink alcohol and then we're drinking alcohol and they're immersed in a culture that abuses alcohol, it's kind of hypocritical. But if you say, look, wait until you get to university, Um, you know, wait until you've left high school. The alcohol is not going to damage your brain for the rest of your life when you're at university because your brain's got through that vital stage. I just think it's an easier message for kids to hear to say "delay" rather than yeah, "never ever do." But
1: it's not out of the question that you might actually come up against an addiction problem, even at this yeah, age and absolutely. stage. Absolutely,
0: yeah. So okay. then you need to seek professional help. Then um, alcohol is, in my experience, alcohol is not the root cause of the problem. Alcohol is then a symptom covering up something else. So you need much more help than you know. Someone's developing alcoholic behaviour as a child. I would say that's coming in a cluster of things and doesn't typically come from someone who's well adjusted and psychologically well.
1: The outtake of all this is no matter what you did in your day and mm-hmm. how you're doing okay, the research yep. is stacked up, delay it as long as possible because yep. there's a direct impact on the brain yep. at that age and stage.
0: And don't validate it with your children. Don't be giving them messages like, oh, it did me no harm because actually if you could research that properly, it probably did do you harm. Your hippocampus, your memory in your brain was is smaller <laughs> the earlier you take on alcohol. The only people who've got a fully developed memory are the ones who know for sure they didn't have alcohol till 21. So it did do us harm. So, you know, don't be validating it to kids and minimising it, even though our culture says it's OK. You know, try and break that culture. Try and have family traditions without alcohol.
1: You know? Nathan, thank you, as always. Nathan Wallace, uh, who is, as we said, uh, an expert on, uh, in brain research in particular, an educator and a parenting commentator.